Hi, this is Dr. Ed Group from Global Healing Center. I hope you tune in and listen to Justin and Kate's Extreme Health Radio. It will transform your life and you will get all the best health information you need. You tricked me. For what? You, you what did played, I do? You played that funny, silly clip at the beginning that I actually didn't think would ever make it into a show. Hey, so I was just joking. You said it on the microphone, so I had to use it. Oh, brother. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you well, you got ex- You got to keep it fun, right? You were not expecting that, I right? wasn't expecting that. We could have any kind of intro we want, right? You're right. That was silly. It's all good fun. It made me laugh and blush, so Hey, laughing's go. good for your health. <laughs> you right? Nothing wrong with that. No. All right, so we are excited. We have... Um, Dr. Artur Rahimov on the show. Thanks for helping me, Kate. And we're going to be talking about breathing today, which will be really great. And I really I love things that we can learn about that are that are free, that don't really take much time and effort, but it just has to take a little bit of retraining of your brain. So this will be really great. And we're going to learn how breathing affects our health and disease process and how much energy we have, how well we sleep, all kinds of cool stuff. We'll be talking about the Buteco method too, which I have been mm-hmm. hearing uh, for many, many years, but I don't know anything about, so we'll learn about that. So we'll introduce him in just a second. This is episode 362 of Extreme Health Radio, and this is Friday, what is it, February 27th, right? <laughs> you couldn't get that all right, could you? <laughs> February 27th. I completely just had a, had a mind blank 2015. There. And his website is normalbreathing.com. And if you guys would like to support the show, there are lots of different ways to do that, but uh, a great way is a new program that we have called Patreon. And it allows you to do sort of micro donating per podcast. So you can actually donate to our show on a per podcast basis. So if you want to give like a dollar per show, you can do that on Patreon. Or you can even do 50 or 60 cents per show. Mm. And if all of you did that, that would really help us. Yes. Really, We're really excited about that new tool. And uh, can't wait to see where that goes. You guys can kind of keep in in line with our goals and what we what we have in the future going toward to help support that. And we put together a little video a little there. video for you to watch. So if you go to ExtremeHealthRadio.com slash support, you will see that. And we made a little video and a bunch of cool stuff on Patreon. So we'd appreciate your support if you can do it. And we broadcast every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time at uh, ExtremeHealthRadio.com forward slash live if you would like to join the chat room. There's always lots of great people in there, a lot of regulars in there. You make some good friends. Uh, good stuff going on, right? Yeah, we have people rolling in right now. Thanks for uh, joining us today, guys. It's exciting. Have, have we have we had any matchmakers, uh, you know, matches uh, happen? from Extreme health matches? Extreme health matches. Gosh, you know what? I don't know, <laughs> but if there is, I, we would love to hear about it. We've had people meet up in person and, and connect up and That's live wild. together. Yeah, and live together, become yeah. roommates. So, hey. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Who's, who's to say? If anyone does have a, ma- a match made, I'd love to know about it. So, send us an email. <laughs> Yeah, let us know. That'd be pretty funny. So, Doctor, so you're gonna have to help me with this again, Kate. Artur? I'm a brain fight part here. <laughs> Doctor Artur yeah. Rahimov. There you go. I think that's right. Awesome. Okay, cool. We can ask him. And his website is normalbreathing.com, and he's made a ton of YouTube videos. Been researching this for a long, long time. Uh, he's a Butenko breathing teacher, mm. 
and uh, he's an inventor of a, a, a DIY breathing device, and he's had numerous contributions to breathing retraining, and he's done a lot of other work, too, in that world. So we're really excited to have him on the show today. Thank you so much, Dr. Artur. How are you doing today? Yeah, thank you. I'm okay. Yeah, It's a big honor for me and a pleasure to be on your show, Kate and Justin. Thank Aww. you. Oh, you're so thank welcome. You. We love having you on. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, So you're saying before the show, uh, you are in Canada, is that correct? Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, but I travel a lot. Travel a lot. Are you uh, originally from, where, where are you from originally? Yeah, I, I was born and grew up in Russia, but uh, 20 years ago I immigrated to Canada. Oh, okay. We had a really great um, uh, Russian fellow on our show. Are you familiar with his work? His name is um, uh, Konstantin Monastersky. He does a lot of work with digestion. Uh, sorry, no, no, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So how is the weather up in, uh, in Canada right now? Uh, in Canada, it was uh, cold, but I left Canada a week ago, so I've been traveling since then. <laughs> ah, okay, kind of getting away from the cold a little bit, huh? Yeah, in Canada, it was really cold, snow and uh, a lot of snow. Oh, my goodness. Well, I saw, speaking of that, I saw <clears throat> a clip online um, of, a, do of a, a, a cop the other day who was in Canada, and I don't know if people have seen this, this video is kind of going viral, but he, was, he had a cup of hot water. And he threw it up. It was so cold that he threw it up in the air, and the water became smoke. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cold. Yeah. A little different than the weather we're having here, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. So you've been a part of, um, a part of the Butenko. I mentioned that at the beginning. And that's something I've been wanting to learn a lot about, the Butenko breathing technique. Uh, what is that all about? Uh, well, uh, you know that to understand uh, the technique... It's first of all, it's necessary to um, to define, to find out what are the problems in with breathing in modern people and in people with chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. So, if somebody has a chance to open the homepage of normalbriefing.com, uh, my website, um, it's there are a couple of very nice images which show that first of all, briefing changed dramatically during last hundred years. So about uh, 80, 90, 100 years ago, people used to breathe about three times less air than people who are living right now. I'm talking about like normal subjects, uh, ordinary people who are often selected for different scientific studies. Mm -hmm. So they would breathe uh, how much more back then? No, they less. would breathe about three times less air in terms of minute ventilation, how much air people need to take at rest. During one minute. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I see. I see. So they're breathing. Were they breathing deeper then? Uh, no, they would breathe both. They would breathe less air and also less frequently, slower. So they would breathe slower and less air per breath as well. Hmm. But it would be also diaphragmatic breathing because uh, if you look around, you can easily see that probably about 90% or more of modern people have chest breathing day and night automatically without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, most people. I think it's pretty common in our culture, isn't it? Yes, and exactly what happens that hundred years ago, uh, medical studies defined a norm, medical physiological norm for breathing, and it is very small, only ten, twelve breaths a minute, and we need to take only half liter of air per one breath. So it is so tiny amount that if you observe a person who has normal breathing at rest, let's say while sitting you will not be able to see or hear anything. 
And not only that, if you ask this person, what do you feel about your breath? Like how air is moving through the nose, inside the throat, how chest, diaphragm are moving. This person is going to say that uh, I feel nearly nothing. Mm-hmm. It is so tiny, so small that people with normal breathing, like with physiological norm, uh, don't feel their breath. So modern people, therefore, according to dozens of studies that I have on my website, and I have also a very large table on the homepage, uh, which combines uh, 45 different clinical studies where uh, doctors and researchers measured breathing rates, minute ventilation in people with chronic diseases. And what we discovered is also a very amazing fact, because people with chronic diseases breathe even heavier than ordinary people these days. Interesting. So they breathe. Yeah, I want to get into that because I, I got a bunch of questions about what you just said about uh, breathing two to three times more than the medical norm. But um, so that we can understand and focus a little bit about why and what effects um, poor breathing has on us. Um, so what's going on when people don't breathe correctly? Um, does it is it a systemic thing where over the course of amount of time, um, you know, disease could result from that? Yes, uh, absolutely right. What happens, uh, doc- doctors co- call this effect hyperventilation. That means breathing more than the medical norm. Okay. And when people hyperventilate, according to dozens of studies, uh, some of them were published up to 70, 100, 120 years ago, when people hyperventilate, they get less oxygen in the cells or in tissues of the brain, heart, kidneys, liver, and all other vital organs of the human body. Okay, so less oxygen gets into the tissues. It does it, and it, and probably less oxygen also gets into the actual blood cell itself too, right? Uh, in the blood, it depends. Uh, very often, commonly, people have nearly normal blood content. But what happens? Carbon dioxide, the gas we exhale, is not a toxic waste gas. It's very powerful hormone which regulates many functions, and one of them it helps to dilate blood vessels. Mm-hmm. So arteries and arterioles, we are highly sensitive to level of CO2. And modern people, when we hyperventilate, the blood vessels are constricted. And therefore, the blood flow to the brain, heart, other organs of the human body is reduced. Maybe up to 20, 30, 40%. It's a significant number. Wow. So less blood and less oxygen is delivered to all vital organs of the human body. That's fascinating because mm-hmm. when we think of hyperventilation, we think of you know, someone sitting in a plane and taking the paper bag and yeah. all that stuff. But I guess what you're saying is that we are sort of to a much lesser degree hyperventilating all the time, but we, it just looks normal because that's the way we all breathe. Yes, it's uh, it relates to lifestyle changes that took place during 100 years. And it's absolutely right. You're correct that people have so-called hidden hyperventilation. Hmm. That means people can breathe two times uh, more than the norm, and it would be not easy to notice that. Uh, When people breathe about three, four times more than the norm, usually in this case, they are going to say that they now have noticeable breathing for themselves. So they feel uh, they feel distinctly that their breathing is uh, like the sensation of breath is quite strong. Mm -hmm. But with two times, uh, 2.5 times, it's easy to breathe more. And people would say that I breathe now normally. I don't have any specific sensation related uh, to breathing. When you mentioned earlier about people breathing in their, into their chest, and I know that when people do yoga, that's a big, I mean, most of yoga is breathing and breath work and things, but 
Um, w- what's going on when we breathe into our chest versus into our our stomach? Because th- deep, deep, deep. Yeah, deep breath. Um, what's yes. going, like? What's the difference there? Uh, well, first of all, uh, medical and te- textbook, Eastern science, yoga. Uh, tai Chi, Kikong, all of them teach that breathing should be diaphragmatic, should be uh, deep in terms of mechanics. Okay. And this is very important for two reasons. One of the reasons is that uh, lower parts of the lungs, they have higher, much higher blood flow because of the gravity, blood flow at the bottom of the lungs about six, seven times more than at the top of the lungs. Interesting. So, therefore, when people have chest breathing, they cannot oxygenate the arterial blood. So this is one of the effects. And another effect is that uh, about half of all lymph nodes in the human body, I'm talking about uh, lymphatic nodes from the vital abdominal organs, which is kidneys, liver, spleen, stomach, pancreas, and so on, they are all located just under the diaphragm. So therefore, the diaphragm plays a role of a pump to pump lymphatic fluid to remove waste products, dead bacteria, dead cells from all vital organs located under the diaphragm. And when people do not have diaphragmatic breathing day and night, and that should be the case according to medical norms, then we obviously develop stagnation and pollution in vital organs. Mm. So it's affecting it's affecting all the organs sort of indirectly and sort of a domino effect, right? Like they don't, um, it doesn't, you know, like each organ doesn't get their proper amount of oxygen and as a result of that, they don't... Or function. Yeah, they don't function pr- properly or, or detox properly. Yes, and exactly. Because of that, because of, uh, because of chest breathing, people also are, are not able to detoxify the abdominal organs properly. I mean, properly 24 hours per day with each breath, with each breath of the diaphragm. Hmm. So let's go back a little bit. What's, what was going on 100 years ago versus what's going on now? I mean, why are people breathing? Yeah. Are we just more stressed? Is there a simple explanation or is it pretty... It's got a lot of layers to it. Uh, yeah, it's quite quite <laughs> complex. There are many, many causes. And uh, on my website, on my YouTube videos, and when I teach students and practitioners, we go through each cause separately. It all relates to like lifestyle changes, uh, sleep, uh, physical exercise, diet, uh, stress-related, pollution-related, many factors all together. In fact, what happens that anything which is abnormal to the human body makes breathing heavier. Let's say um, you have some strong emotion, uh-huh. and uh, what happens next? People don't notice, but we often start to breathe uh, almost twice heavier because of feeling maybe angry, upset, depressed. Mm-hmm. So strong emotions. When people have infection, uh, here I'm talking about viral stress or bacteriological stress or stress due to pollution, it also results in heavier breathing. When we overeat, when we eat too much food or when we eat when we are not hungry, especially heavy food like uh, animal proteins, fats, breathing also gets heavy and everybody knows this effect. Because if person tries to go like upstairs or do little exercise, mm-hmm. uh, breathing gets much heavier. And so I have to ask you just in terms of, because you're talking about all kinds of sort of physical things that affect uh, the breathing. Um, you know, this is an obvious one, but um, how, how is smoking affecting breathing? Is it constricting well, it, the lungs? It's, it, it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of, there are different effects of smoking. There are immediate effects. Often people breathe slower and deeper. And they can even get high CO2 as well. But uh, personally, I don't think that smoking is uh, among the top factors which makes uh, health of people much worse. If we speak about different groups of people, 
there would be different factors which affect their health. And I'm talking here about hidden factors which influence breathing and oxygen level in the body cells. Mm -hmm. For example, for people with chronic diseases, it's very common uh, to have two factors which are very, very powerful in terms of causing heavy breathing Mm -hmm. and low body oxygenation. This would be breathing through the mouth, especially during sleep. Uh, Many people, when they wake up, they feel that their mouth is dry and they want to drink water. And that means they were breathing through the mouth during sleep. And another factor is that people sleep on the back at night, so-called supine sleep. Mm -hmm. Another very large factor which makes also breathing uh, heavier and unrestricted. So people breathe more at night and that causes uh, many health problems exactly during sleep. Because according to medical research, uh, sleep has highest mortality in comparison with any part of the day. That means if we measure what are the chances of people to have heart attack or stroke or epilepsy seizures or asthma attacks, in fact, all studies that compared different parts of the day, we found that the most damaging time or most dangerous time in terms of having attacks and even highest mortality rates due to chronic diseases, due to acute exacerbation, takes place exactly during the same part of the day. And that is from 4 to 7 o'clock in the morning or during sleep. Isn't that wild? Yeah, we've heard many stories of people, you know, there's a lot of people with sleep apnea where they're breathing, having trouble breathing during sleep and heart attacks during, I mean, we've all heard stories of people that have passed away yeah. during sleep, yeah. This is true, yeah, according to studies, and I spoke with many doctors and nurses, and uh, if they know the situation, if they've been in hospital, like having a duty, uh, they know this fact as well, that actually people have highest mortality rates and highest chances of attacks during sleep, regardless of the health condition or disease that they have. Who knew sleep sleep was such a dangerous place to be? <laughs> Your bed is the most dangerous yeah, place. Yeah, this is another kind of myth because many books which I read and online, uh, they write that people recover during sleep, the body gets healthier. Actually, Dr. Boteke uh, suggests totally opposite idea. He told that actually sleep is uh, very unhealthy and it's better to restrict sleep, sleep less. So and Russian doctors whom he trained, they developed different methods and techniques how to prevent supine sleep, how to tape mouth at night, and even some other techniques related to chest briefing and so on. Interesting. So, You don't wow. hear that every day, do you? Yeah, you don't you hear, hear that. More every... sleep, more sleep. I know. You th- yeah. So uh, what did you just say about taping your mouth when you sleep? People do that? <laughs> yes, yeah. Thousands of people did that. It, it was actually invented by uh, practitioners of Dr. Buteyka in 1960s. Uh, when he created his legendary Buteyka briefing technique because his patients realized that uh, they may not survive till morning if they don't tape their mouth at night. Of course, I'm talking about people who have mouth briefing during sleep. Mm -hmm. And once they start doing that, I actually uh, taught that to hundreds of people, hundreds of students. They immediately realized it usually takes one, two nights and in the morning, we realize that we feel my, much better throughout the whole day if we manage to breathe only through the nose throughout the whole night. And this is generally po- possible. More than 90% of people, if they tape their mouth uh, before going to bed, before sleep, they are able to sleep with the tape throughout the whole night. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Is I, uh, when I was a kid, a young boy, I had a stuttering problem. And 
um, I used to go to a, uh, a person that would help me sort of overcome speech that. Speech therapist. Speech therapist, yeah. And uh, one of the things they had me do was tape my mouth shut every time I went to sleep. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting, a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So doesn't seem very comfortable. <laughs> no. Have an idea. But you know what's interesting about that, though, too, is that people will say, well, I can't do that because my, my nasal passages are sort of stuffed up and, and that kind of thing. But then you, it kind of goes into a deeper... You know, because the body always compensates. So the body always, if you can't breathe through your nose, then you, you, your body will breathe through the mouth. So um, it kind of forces you to look at other issues that are going on. Why, why, are, why are your sinuses hmm. messed up, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, and, and Boutique, in fact, uh, defined mouth breathing and um, formation of different problems like adenoids, uh, blocked nasal passages, and uh, growth of vegetation in the nose hmm. as, as a body defense mechanism against hyperventilation. So the body kind of prevents overbreathing by creating obstruction to too much breathing. Hmm. Wow, isn't that hmm. interesting? When we come back, we're going to take a little bit of a break right here, but uh, when we come back, I want to learn more about this Butenko method because um, I've never really, I've heard some people talk about how sleep, you know, is sort of not, not detrimental in this, but some people have said that they can get away with much less sleep. So I'm curious as to, um, as to more of this. And then I have some questions for you about the normal breathing that's right there on your homepage. Um, lots of great stuff. Check, check out normalbreathing.com if you're interested in this, uh, in this type of work. I, th- I find it really interesting. And I think it's really great, too, because people can learn how to do stuff like breathing that is going to radically improve their health. And you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on some contraption or some device or something that's relatively cheap and easy and you can figure that out yourself so so this is episode 362 so kate's doing a great job taking notes so all the notes if you're listening while driving around or anything like that is at extremehealthradio.com forward slash 362 and we're with dr artur rahimov i believe from normalbreathing.com and i wanted to ask you uh, dr um you know before the break we're talking a little bit about the potenko method and sleeping and so you're saying that uh um, the Bateko method sort of teaches a little bit about sleeping and how it may not be as, as beneficial as we think it is? Uh, well, s- sleep is necessary, of course, for humans. But yes, what, uh, what we spoke about is that Dr. Buteka suggested that it's better to sleep less. And what I observe in my students, especially in my best students, that when we improve their briefing, that means we start to brief slower and less over time, maybe after some weeks, month mm-hmm. of training, uh, the duration of sleep naturally reduces. Uh, for example, when students get close to the medical norm or get even to the Buteyka norm, which is a little bit even less in terms of minute ventilation, mm-hmm. then we start to sleep only a- around six hours or even less. Now, when Dr. Buteyka uh, trained himself and some of his doctors, they managed to achieve uh, the so-called ideal briefing pattern, when people ha- then uh, a body has maximum uh, oxygenation content. Mm-hmm. And what we discovered is that people with very, very slow briefing, let's say only three, four very small breaths during sleep at night per minute. So just try to imagine three, four breaths a minute. Mm-hmm. So this is like minimum which people can achieve. Uh, these people start to sleep only about two hours naturally without trying. And Dr. Buteyka wa- was one of the examples. I myself had uh, long periods of time when I could sleep, let's say, four hours mm-hmm. without trying. 
So I, I wake up four hours later, totally fresh, feeling like four hours comes like a second. You know, you close your eyes, you open your eyes, and you don't believe four hours already passed. And what happens, you have a lot of energy, you don't, don't want to sleep anymore. And the effect I found very consistent among my briefing students who gradually slow down the briefing towards the norm, towards the medical norm. And again, there is even another norm which I mentioned a little bit about is norm established by Dr. Buteka himself. He suggested that people actually should brief only about eight breaths per minute, even slower than the medical establishment suggests. Mm -hmm. And uh, with this briefing, people get even more oxygen. Uh, I want to, you ask about the Bottega briefing method. Probably before going into this technique, uh, I want to mention a couple of interesting facts. Mm -hmm. uh, fact number one is that the best ever uh, conducted clinical trial on cancer was conducted with the Bottega briefing technique. Actually, very few people know about it. But uh, one of my Amazon books, uh, which is called Doctors Who Cure Cancer, is about cancer, and it's a very large topic, of course, to discuss. I can mention just the results, uh, what is known, like from medical research, from uh, best uh, Western studies in relation to cancer. Uh, chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, they are all effective techniques, and there are clinical studies that proved that we can reduce mortality by about 10, 20%. Let's say if we measure mortality like in three or five years, this is how uh, usual studies are conducted in cancer. Mm -hmm. But in this clinical uh, trial conducted by a medical doctor, and it was published in Ukrainian oncology journal, mm -hmm. uh, he took 120 people with metastatic breast cancer. And he divided them into two groups, 60 and 60. And uh, one group, both groups had the same medical procedures because when the cancer is metastatic, it uh, started to uh, move to lymph nodes, to neighboring lymph nodes. Uh, generally, doctors uh, recommend surgery, chemotherapy, uh, radiation, like all these standard techniques, all mm -hmm. of them. And uh, what happens during this trial, in addition to these standard medical techniques, one group practiced briefing exercises for more than three years. And in three years' time, they measured mortality and discovered that the group who was practicing reduced briefing exercises had about six times less mortality in comparison with the control group. Hmm. Six times less. That's, That's fascinating. That's huge. So what That's is... So it says on your website, uh, normal breathing, six liters a minute, according to medical textbooks. And then uh, healthy subjects, you're talking about six to seven liters a minute. So we want to breathe deeper and slower in general is that uh, yeah deep is very like confusing term i rarely use it because sometimes when people think about deep breathing they think about taking more air per one breath mm -hmm. and some other people may say that deep that means using the diaphragm but not chest you see so therefore i try to avoid this term okay. so like we, we can say that diaphragmatic breathing is good and chest is not good, but in terms of how much we should breathe at rest, let's say while sitting or during sleep, we should take very small amount of air. And using the diaphragm, this is very hard thing to retrain. And generally, to retrain one's automatic or unconscious breathing is very difficult because you need to change the way you breathe all the time, day and night. And it takes a lot of efforts, sometimes weeks, months. Uh, some people spend years in order to retrain their briefing. And there are literally tens of different obstacles 
which are uh, present on this process of briefing retraining. Many of them are, like some of them we already discussed, people sleep on the back, they breathe through the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they can have nutritional deficiencies. Uh, Dr. Boteka, for example, suggested that uh, raw food, vegetarian diet, they are very good for briefing because they do not intensify briefing. Uh, whereas uh, those people who eat animal proteins, for example, or who eat cooked food, they would have heavier briefing. Okay. So this is what he discovered by testing people. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like what you're saying is it's it's like um, it seems like it's sort of it's it's like a cognitive dissonance in a sense because you're saying like you want to avoid the word deep, but you want to do diaphragmatic breathing, but then that doesn't necessarily mean breathing deep, right? That necessi- yeah, that does not necessarily mean that it should be large in terms of volume. Okay. Like, uh, they call it tidal volume in medicine, how much air you take for one breath. I see, okay. So tidal volume should be, yeah, should be only 500, 600 milliliters. Uh, this, uh, this number you can find in medical and physiological textbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas normal people now have close to eight, nine hundred, sometimes one liter. And people who have chronic diseases, like I'm talking about common conditions, including heart disease, diabetes, cancer, asthma, COPD, sleep apnea, and many, many others, uh, they breathe uh, even more than ordinary people, up to 15 liters per minute and more. And the table that I have on the homepage reflects all these studies. So there are literally, there are many more other studies which measure CO2 level, Mm -hmm. and we also support the same result. And in addition to that, what is interesting here, that if we take the ranges, let's say some study found that uh, asthmatics or people with diabetes have uh, 15 liters per minute, what happens is that the deviation, standard deviation, is usually so small that it's obvious uh, that all people who... uh, who were participated in, in this study had a briefing much more than the medical norm. It's not that just like maybe 90% of people uh, with asthma or heart disease or diabetes have heavy briefing. In all these studies actually indicate that 100% of people with chronic diseases have heavy briefing and the minute ventilation is too high and therefore level of CO2 in the lungs would be lower than the norm. And then people would have reduced oxygen content in body cells. Hmm. That's so fascinating. So we're going to take a, a break in a couple minutes. So in the next uh, segment, I want to ask you about you know how to do some of this stuff. But I have to ask you, as you're talking about this, what about people that are living in different environments, like you know people living higher up in Colorado or in the mountains somewhere where there's less oxygen? How does this all affect people like that hmm. that live in those environments? Uh, well, people adapt to the environment, of course. And uh, uh, Dr. Boteka, when he was doing uh, this research in 1960s, he was in fact hired by Soviet uh, communist official, by Soviet cosmos uh, uh, supervisors, in order to conduct research for first spaceship missions. Uh-huh. Uh, as, as you may remember, in 1964, the first man was sent in space, Yuri Gagarin, mm-hmm. and Boteka was in fact uh, provided a uh, uh, respiratory laboratory in order to find optimum air composition. And what he discovered uh, because of his research in 1960s that ideal air composition should be the same uh, as people have at high altitude at about uh, 4,000 or maybe five even 5,000 feet. So uh, up to maybe two kilometers high, one and a half, two kilometers high, where oxygen content is uh, nearly twice less than at sea level. Hmm. So ideal air 
would be about twice uh, having twice less oxygen than we have at sea level. And actually, no, uh, respirologists, professional respirologists, I'm talking about Western uh, research scientists, they also are aware that modern air that we have is hyperoxic. It has too much oxygen because oxygen is very reactive substance. Mm -hmm. And if people, let's say, put on pure oxygen, and such studies were done on animals, they found that animals, like after some weeks, develop emphysema of the lungs because oxygen is very reactive. It starts to destroy tissues of the lungs and tissues of the blood vessels as well. So therefore, ideal air composition uh, is about only 10% of oxygen uh, if we can create it at sea level or you can go to high altitude because air is more rare there. So there is less oxygen content. And in addition to that, Bottega discovered that it's good to have a little bit more CO2 in air because right now we have 0.03, like percent, nearly nothing. And uh, uh, millions of years ago, it used to be much higher concentration because when first life forms appeared on Earth, IOF air composition uh, was very different because CO2 was part of volcanic gases and there were no oxygen mm -hmm. a long time ago. So CO2 content was up to 10%, 10-12% according to different studies and oxygen was zero. And only later with uh, advance of green life, photosynthesis, you know, chlorophyll, like all these processes that we learn in the school, uh, oxygen content starts to increase and CO2 started to drop. But control of breathing and uh, like uh, respiratory nervous control of breathing was established very long time ago when CO2 was very, very high and oxygen was low. In fact, oxygen was so low, probably less than 1% when first creatures with lungs appeared on Earth. And at this moment of time, hyperventilation or overbreathing was beneficial. It was beneficial for two reasons, because one of them is when you, when you breathe more with very rare air, with very little oxygen content, you would, guess more, you would get more oxygen. And at the same time, however heavy you breathe long time ago, you would never get low CO2 because CO2 was in the surrounding air. So you would not get all these deficiencies of carbon dioxide, which cause not only constriction of blood vessels that we discussed, but in addition, many other uh, symptoms and health problems. So when you're saying if the if the altitude is higher and you're breathing more, um, you would get more oxygen. Is that because you're taking more breaths, like within a, a one minute or two minute period, like you're in, just breathing more? So overall, you'd get more oxygen, even though it seems like you're not because you're higher up. No, no. You even at high altitude, you would still need to breathe slower and less. Because carbon dioxide is a key factor which provides oxygen. You see, you cannot get oxygen in your brain, heart, other organs without CO2. And therefore, uh, sometimes people talk about balance. I've heard it many times, like you need balance, oxygen and CO2. Mm -hmm. There is no balance here. What happens if you hyperventilate, you lose CO2, correct? Yeah, when uh -huh. you breathe more air. Right, right. And, and therefore, uh, when CO2 gets reduced, your blood vessels immediately constrict and therefore your blood flow or perfusion uh, is reduced and oxygen supply is also reduced. So you get less oxygen and less CO2 at the same time. And if you start to retrain your breathing very slowly, very gradually, maybe just a few percent a day or a week, then you get high and high CO2 level, your breathing becomes slower and reduced over time. Then you get more CO2 in your body and at the same time, your oxygen supply and blood flow are also improved. 
Interesting. So people can learn how to do this, sort of train their body how to do this, and then you can actually do this while you're sleeping and it just becomes part of how you breathe naturally, right? Yes, it, it becomes a habit. Yeah, absolutely right. But it takes efforts from the person. And in addition to that, it's necessary to address many lifestyle factors. Mm-hmm. We discuss a little bit sleep. We discuss a little bit diet. But according to Soviet doctors and Buteka trained somewhere like probably up to 150, maybe up to 200 medical doctors to use uh, this technique, and many of them are still working in Russia right now. Uh, he suggested, and his doctors also found the same fact, that actually the main reason, uh, the main factor why people were healthier 100 years ago and the rate of diseases was much uh, slow and less, and uh, why briefing was also slow and less 100 years ago was actually physical exercise. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So we we got to take a little bit of a break here, but is exercise, so this would help your exercise endeavors if people play sports and things like that too, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, If, if an athlete, uh, let's say running a long distance, maybe 5, 10 kilometers or even marathon, uh, is going to re- uh, retrain his or her breathing pattern by breathing, let's say, like twice less than this person breathes right now, mm-hmm. uh, this person can dramatically improve performance, often up to 10, 15, 20%, depending on fitness level. But this is like, again, uh, um, total, uh, totally correct observation, which I've seen in many of my students, that w- when we retrain the briefing pattern, the uh, endurance, fitness, dramatically improved. Isn't that fascinating? We, um, yeah, I mentioned that, that we have to take a little bit of a break here, but I got to ask you this. Uh, what about um, people do a lot of beet juice for cardiovascular mm. training and increasing the oxygen that gets into their lungs and uh, passes through their lungs? Uh, does beet juice, do you think that's a healthy thing for people, for breathing? Oh, beet juice? Yeah, beets or beet juice. Yeah, a lot of Olympics uh, athletes do that. Uh, well, uh, uh, it's hard to tell. Like you see, you, you, when you take something like oxygenated drinks and other things, uh, they go into stomach, uh, but somehow we should get combined with hemoglobin. And this process works very well in lungs, in, in alveoli of the lungs. But I don't know how oxygen from um, from uh, from the from a liquid can get into the bloodstream so that it can get like into heart, brain, muscles, other organs. So it's not, not so simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's apparently something that people have been using for a long, long time, the beet juice, I guess. Um, very fascinating. So I want to learn how to do this. Can we do that in the next segment? Of course, yeah. Oh, okay, this is awesome. And I have a, I, I have a question too about um, the breath of fire, which is the yogic technique mm. where people breathe very shallow but uh, quickly and um, we also have a question in the chat room about pregnancy and sleeping oh and okay interesting <laughs> so we'll Gosh. Get to that. who would have thought so much I, to talk about I with know. breathing i mean if you look at his website normalbreathing.com you understand why there's so much to talk he's about. got i mean a million articles on here this is great main symptoms how to fall asleep fast stop night coughs clear stuffy nose um sleep and heavy breathing factors that affect health hyperventilation treatment so much good stuff on here um, on his website, normalbreathing.com. This is great stuff. So we're with uh, Dr. Artur Rahimov, and his website is uh, normalbreathing.com. So, yeah, we're having a great time here. And if you guys are interested in any of those products that we mentioned during the last break, the um, 
the Yoga Trapeze or the Austin Air. Both of those are available in our store. And if you want to keep up to date with everything we have going on and get a great, great bonus, sign up to our newsletter list. That way you can keep up to date uh, with everything that we have going on, past shows and all kinds of cool stuff in our newsletter list. We've got thousands of people on there and we don't spam you and it's a great, great thing. So uh, extremehealthradio.com slash subscribe. And um, again, this is episode Two or 360, what, 362? You got it. I keep messing that up. All right, 362, and Kate will have all the notes on there. And uh, doctor, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, you know, how to get into this breathing technique, and we'll get to that in a second, but I, I, I had to ask you about that um, breath of fire yogic technique. Have you heard of that? Yes, yeah. Yeah, well, is, that, uh, is that something that fits in, in line with the Butenko method? Uh, if you do it correctly. Okay. You got <laughs> yeah, to do it correctly. That, uh, during fire breath, you are supposed to have very small tidal volume. You remember tidal volume is the amount of air we take per breath. And what happens, we have so-called dead volume. There is certain amount of air which do not participate in air exchange. Let's say if you start to breathe only about 200 milliliters of air back and forth, there would be no fresh air which coming to the alveoli of your lungs. And therefore, you would not get oxygen in your lungs, in your bloodstream, because of this breathing. It okay. would be too small in terms of tidal volume. So when you do fire breath uh, with high intensity, like frequency, you can be up to 30, 40 breaths a minute or even more, up to maybe 50, 60, like one breath per second even. But if you breathe very small amount of air, you are going to accumulate CO2, carbon dioxide, during this exercise. And therefore, according to traditional yoga practice, you are supposed to feel hot after doing this exercise, let's say, for about two, three minutes or even more. So you're supposed so, to feel hot. Yes, because you are going to accumulate CO2, and that would dilate your blood vessels, and that would improve your oxygen and blood flow. Interesting. Okay. But, 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 but most people don't know, and we do not experience feeling of uh, hot during this exercise. And the same about pranayama, which is the main exercise in yoga. It's supposed to be uh, done very, very slowly. You take very, like, let's say, alternate nose breathing. Mm -hmm. From one nostril, you take very slow, very deep breath as much as possible. Then you keep it for a certain amount of time, for let's say maybe five, ten seconds. Then you exhale twice longer. And then you again hold your breath. This is like most common way to practice pranayama. But what nearly all modern yoga teaches me is that the goal of pranayama is to increase these stages little by little, week after week. Let's say next week you are going to extend your stages by about one second, two seconds. And eventually you will be able to breathe one breath per minute only while practicing pranayama. And if you are a yoga master, you would be able to breathe even one breath in two minutes. I'm talking about like continuous exercise, like during 20 minutes of exercise, you would need only 10 breaths in total to complete this exercise. So wow. when you do that, then you are going to experience true benefits of yoga. Because according to ancient yoga wisdom, and this yoga wisdom is really taught uh, by uh, modern yoga teachers, uh, uh, we have many amazing quotes. Let's say I can quote from uh, Hatha Yoga of Pan, Pan, uh, Patanjali, Yoga Pradipika. There are many yoga books written many centuries ago. Mm -hmm. And they never mention the word deep breathing. You uh -huh. would never find this phrase. <laughs> what they say is 
when the breath becomes calm, the mind becomes calm. This is exact quote from one yoga books. Breathlessness is deathlessness. So if you like, the, the goal of pranayama is cessation of all respiratory movements. These are exact quotes from old yoga books. But if you look at yoga books written during last 50 years, and uh, I read dozens of them, including uh, most popular, most common books, uh, nearly all of them, more than 90% for sure, would say that uh, breathing more air is good and CO2 is toxic waste gas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, therefore, like I, I have a, one of my books on Amazon, which is called Yoga Benefits Are in Briefing Less, where I quote medical studies, research studies, uh, old yoga books, modern yoga books, comparing what we say and what are the effects of breathing more air or breathing less air. Another thing which is I found very common for yoga uh, teachers and meditation teachers these days, that uh, when thinking about breathing, we start to think immediately about doing some breathing exercise. Mm-hmm. But what Dr. Buteyko suggested is that you can do a certain breathing exercise for one hour, maybe for two hours during the day, but it is more important how you breathe during remaining 22, 23 hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what exactly we teach how to retrain automatic or unconscious breathing pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, there is a, uh, someone who I came in contact recently, uh, Katie Bowman, and she talks a lot about the structural analysis of the body and how alignment really does matter. And she and she's a really fascinating. Ex- a fascinating woman, and she's uh, gone so far as to get rid of all couches and chairs in her house because these things uh, train the body to be um, structurally not aligned. And and so one of the points that she made in this interview that I watched was people go off and they do these exercises and they'll um, you know go to the gym for an hour, but the rest of the time during the day for the other twenty three hours during the day they're sitting in these unnatural positions, and it almost takes away all the benefits of that one hour thing and what she's saying is that she does all of her workouts and all of her alignment um, exercises all day long every day by staying in proper alignment and sitting naturally moving naturally and it sounds like that's what you're saying is is not necessarily carve out a certain amount of time per day uh, to do breathing breath work or exercises, but getting to the point where you you completely retrain your your body how to breathe so that way you're breathing this way all day long. Yes, yeah. And Buteka was mentioning during his lecture that uh, standing or upright posture is the most natural posture for the human being. Mm-hmm. The upright posture. Yeah. So that's like standing instead of even sitting upright. Yes, but at the same time, what I observe in my students, and you can easily see uh, the same, that uh, modern people, because uh, because of these factors, I believe, that we have uh, too heavy breathing and we have reduced body oxygen content, we have natural tendency to slouch and we prefer sitting. All these uh, sofa, couches, furniture, we uh, started to appear and like came to our life mostly during uh, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. Because if you watch old movies and if you're uh, able to investigate the life that people had 100 years ago, in fact, uh, most work which were done, like uh, white-collar, blue-collar jobs, were done standing. Uh So people used to stay for many hours. And I know from experience uh, with my students that 
when we achieve a normal breathing pattern or you start to breathe even uh, slower according to the Bottega norm, then we like standing, we like doing physical exercise. People, in fact, start to enjoy physical activity when so, they have very slow, very light breathing pattern. That's fascinating that you say that because it almost makes me think of like this whole idea of sitting in office chairs and couches and things You know, in our house. We go from one sitting location to another. It's almost like, I've never really thought about this before, but it's almost like um, those arose because we become so weak and so degenerated and so sick as a culture that we needed those things to sort of prop us up, sort of like a wheelchair, but we don't look at yeah, it we, as a wheelchair. We're because, like, yeah, we're like crutches for yeah. more people. <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? Huh. Yeah. So um, we have a couple of listener questions. Do you want to do the listener questions and then and then learn some of the techniques after? Yeah, or? why don't we ask real quick, if, if we don't mind, about... Um, we have a friend who is in the chat room, and she's pregnant. She said she's sleeping a lot more, obviously, with this baby. Do you have thoughts on the sleeping pattern with pregnant women and or the amount of oxygen needed to form a new life? Is it very different in that situation? Yeah, it, uh, Buteka noticed a long time ago already in the 60s and 70s that uh, pregnant women breathe more, and they have even lower oxygen content and mm -hmm. CO2 content in the body cells. And uh, so, therefore, many health problems become and symptoms become more common when they get pregnant, and many of them, of course, start to sleep longer as well. Hmm. And therefore, of course, it's good to have uh, briefing retraining so that pregnancy become easy. In fact, uh, Butek and his doctors observed in many of these students that if they achieve a certain level in their briefing retraining, they are able to experience a painful, painless, sorry, or nearly painless uh, childbirth, for example. And of course, babies would be also much healthier when the mother uh, has uh, normal oxygen content in body cells and knows how to breathe correctly. And then I would imagine also during the birthing process, if you understand how to breathe correctly, you're, mm. you're going to be able to um, have a much smoother birth, birthing process. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it would help with that too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, fascinating. Great, okay. And is there another question? That, uh... um, no, I think we've, we've covered it. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm you, so you, you wanted to ask about briefing retraining because this is, a, of course, a very important topic if somebody wants to know uh, how to do, what to start with. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I want to learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Teach yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's good, uh, important to find out if a person has normal briefing uh, pattern and normal oxygen level right now okay. or like in normal conditions. Uh, therefore, we have a simple test how to measure body oxygenation. Uh, Buteka called this test the control pause test. Okay. Control pause test. I call it also body oxygen test. Uh, what happens is that a briefing can be measured and usually, of course, uh, doctors apply different devices. They can measure minute ventilation, how many liters we breathe. They can measure CO2, oxygen in the arterial, in the venous blood, and so on. So many factors, but we require different devices. There is a simple test. Uh, which was studied and investigated by Russian doctors, and we uh, studied more than half million people in Russia using this test. So what we found that uh, the test is very simple. I'm going to describe it uh, how it works okay. because anybody can do this test uh, nearly any time. So you need to sit and rest for about five minutes, and then after your usual exhalation. So that means you have your ordinary outhale. Do not try to exhale forcefully, just ordinary exhale. Uh, pinch your nose, of course, keep the mouth closed, and start uh, holding your breath while counting 
how many seconds uh, you can hold your breath, but you do this test only until the first or initial discomfort. So what happens if you pinch your nose, you're going to notice like at three, five seconds, you feel nothing. It's totally easy. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds, most people would be totally fine. Somewhere around maybe 15, 20, 25 seconds, you got a first discomfort. Maybe it's a swallowing movement. Maybe there is a push in the chest or diaphragm. Like your breathing muscle starts to kind of rebel. We demand, uh, we actually feel that too much CO2, we demand oxygen, like we, re uh, we want to resume breathing process. And what happens, this initial time, at this initial time, you need to release your nose. So if you release your nose exactly at this first stress or discomfort, you're going to evaluate your oxygen level in the body. And at the same time, you're going to evaluate how heavy is your breathing. And here I'm going to provide you numbers. I have like dozens of these numbers on my website, dozens of clinical studies, some of them 50, 70, 100, 120 years old. Uh, if you have normal breathing pattern, according to medical physiological textbooks, you are going to have about 40 seconds for this test, for zero, 40 seconds. So in 100 years ago, 120 years ago, it was common for normal subjects or for ordinary people to have about 40, 45 seconds for this test. Okay. There are studies published 100, because tests are very simple, it needs just a watch. Uh, if we think about modern people, and I did this test with thousands of people, myself as well, uh, it's very common to have somewhere around 20, 25 seconds. Okay. And that happens because people breathe about twice more than the norm. So if you breathe twice more, you are going to get about twice less oxygen. Okay. And this is, this is the reason why you have 20 but not 40 seconds. So you breathe twice more air, instead of 40 seconds you can have twice less result, 20 seconds for this test. So if you have 40 seconds, I'm going back now to the initial question, mm -hmm. who requires, who needs breathing retraining? And the answer is very simple. Anybody who does not have normal breathing and who has reduced body oxygen content is going to benefit in terms of symptoms and other factors from having normal breathing and normal oxygen content. So if you have less than 40 seconds for this test, that means you are going to experience benefits in terms of health improvement and uh, reduction of symptoms, uh, more energy, shorter sleep, uh, many, many factors. Okay. So this is how we can measure breathing. And people who have chronic diseases uh, commonly have 15, 12 seconds, severely sick, uh, those who are in hospitals, in critical care. Uh, sometimes you may see relatives, friends who are severely sick or maybe even dying, like have uh, very serious health problems. These people breathe even heavier. You can often see and hear how they breathe. And even in movies, when they show how people die, like due to heart attacks or stroke or like uh, uh, due to long-term long illness, mm -hmm. it's, they commonly show that there are like people start to breathe even heavy and deep, they start to gasp for air, mm -hmm. like the last deep gasp, and then they pass out, uh, usually lying in a bed and there are relatives around this person. Mm -hmm. In fact, according to medical studies, more than 90% of people die in conditions of severe hyperventilation. Mm -hmm. And this breath-holding time before death gets even shorter and shorter. It becomes about five seconds, three seconds, two, one, and when people gasp for air, and they die due to too heavy breathing. This is how, in fact, Buteyko discovered this technique. He was a medical student in the hospital, and he observed breathing of his patients, and he found that with approaching death, 
we are briefing were heavy and heavier. So he suggested them to brief slow and less, and he discovered that we are able to recover. At the same time, if he would ask them to hyperventilate, to brief deeper and more, we would experience symptoms of their health problems, like asthmatics would, would get asthma attacks, heart patients, heart attacks, people with epilepsy would get seizures, very, very common. People with panic attacks get panic attacks. Mm -hmm. It's very common results confirmed by numerous uh, Western studies as well. So he developed a method how to slow down briefing, and this is manifested in gradual improvement for the results of this body oxygen test or okay, control force so, test. Okay, so we have the test, and you can find out how well you're doing based on that 40-second model of, of the optimum health. Absolutely right. And Buteke actually suggested that according to his norm, people should have 60 seconds. Oh, really? And this is how, yeah, this is how he trained. And people with 60 seconds, uh, as I mentioned before, like uh, start to sleep about four hours. I, I had this effect in many of my students, so I know it personally right. that this is true. In fact, each my student who gets 60 seconds or higher for this uh, body oxygen or control post test uh, would start to sleep four hours or less. Wow. So for what are you up to now? Yeah, for example, sleep, but uh, there are many other effects. People start to enjoy and crave physical exercise. It becomes totally natural and easy. People start to uh, breathe easily through the nose during physical exercise. This is another uh, factor which is crucial for breathing retraining as Soviet doctors discovered that, in fact, people get benefits and exercise becomes absolutely safe when people breathe 100% in and out through the nose during exercise. Ah. It's very hard. And for people who have uh, health problems, who have less than 20 seconds for this test, uh, we would not be able to exercise intensively, like to go running, running, jogging, or do some other intensive exercise. So we need to slow down, maybe do walking you know, slowly, but breathing 100% through the nose. And then we are able, first of all, to avoid exacerbations because, uh, in fact, thousands of people are dying from exercise or during exercise or after exercise every year. Mm -hmm. And what Buteka doctors discovered that when the patient starts to breathe only through the nose during physical exercise, nearly all these heart attacks, stroke, maybe only asthma problems can appear because sometimes air maybe is too cold, maybe there are some other factors. Uh, asthmatics need to take it a little bit slower even and easier. But exercise becomes much, much safer, in most cases 100% safe, and it becomes always beneficial because millions of people try physical exercise to lose weight, to do other things, they try for weeks, months, some of them go like even longer time, but eventually they give up. And this is really hard when they breathe through the uh, mouth during exercise. Hmm. If they start through the nose, the result, results are dramatically different. Because then physical exercise becomes uh, a, as a process, as a part of breathing retraining. So fascinating. Okay, so, um, so now that we've kind of got our baseline and figuring out that we actually do need uh, to breathe better, what what are some of the actual exercises themselves people can do? In terms of uh, learning the method, you mean? Yeah, learning yeah. Learning how to breathe. Uh, well, there are many options. Uh, we have, first of all, uh, uh, hard to tell how many, many, many hundreds of practitioners around the world. I know many of them personally. We have several organizations, Buteyka Briefing Educators Association, we have uh, very good practitioners in Australia, Ireland, uh, in England, many countries around the world. So the easiest way, of course, is to learn from a practitioner and better in a small group because a practitioner can uh, observe a patient, a student, provide uh, personal advice. 
So this is one option. Of course, people can learn from a book, from a website. This is possible if you are kind of more motivated, uh, more uh, are able to learn from uh, written instructions, which is not so easy. It depends on a person, on a health state. Generally, when people are sicker, uh, people who have more chronic health problems, it's more difficult for them to grasp many ideas. And these people often require more attention from a practitioner. And those who are relatively healthier, and who are motivated, uh, they can learn on their own. So it's kind of difficult to tell. And of course, the uh, factors which need to be addressed during briefing retraining would be also very different. We already discussed like several factors today, uh, like let's say sick people, people who have chronic diseases, they commonly sleep on the back. If you go to hospitals, you can easily see it. They breathe through the mouth during sleep. We can also see it. Um, now, uh, if they start exercise, they breathe through the mouth. So these are factors that we need to address. Somebody who is healthier would have a totally different set of factors. And at each moment of time during the process of briefing retraining, this is how I teach my uh, Buteyka practitioners, like practitioners whom I train, that it's very good and useful and important to find out most influential factors which control health of this person at this moment of time. I because see. Let, 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 give me, let me give you a, a simple example. Let's say somebody is in a hospital fighting with heart disease or diabetes or dying from cancer. If you offer to this person, um, let's say, um, raw diet or something else, these are great things. But if these people sleep on the back, they breathe through the mouth at night, whatever we eat and do, maybe some yoga, some other things, meditation, uh, it would be really difficult for them if they sleep on the back and breathe through the mouth at night. Therefore, what happens, we need to uh, like see exactly what are the problems in any particular person and provide a like, customized, tailored uh, advice uh, program for briefing retraining. And when a person starts to retrain his or her briefing, these factors change. At certain moment of time, uh, maybe mercury amalgams or root canals can be a big problem. Some people, in fact, cannot recover uh, we have, if we have, for example, root canals. If somebody has cavities and teeth or dead tonsils or athlete's feet, like there are certain uh, so-called focal infections, which Dr. Buteyka investigated and his doctors investigated, we can uh, completely stop any progress in briefing retraining. Wow. So there are, uh, in fact, uh, as I mentioned before, dozens of factors which can prevent progress in briefing retraining. And uh, because of that, it's actually like, uh, it's a very serious challenge which embraces all, nearly all, I would say probably all aspects of human life, which like we are already talking about diet, sleep, exercise. So uh, meditation is a great thing. Uh, it, it is an, an amazing feat which, which would help people to overcome stress, mm-hmm. uh, negative emotions. So it would help also be briefing. So there are numerous factors and um, to find out exactly uh, one can learn from books, can get different information. I have on my website uh, numerous, more than 20 different models, which discusses each of these factors in detail, how we influence briefing and what to do about that. Now, how if so, someone wanted to, uh, to, to go through this process, how long do you think it would take just an average, normal, sort of relatively healthy person that's midlife? Uh, to learn this technique? How long do you think it would take them to learn it? <laughs> well, what does it mean to learn? Like, <laughs> if you want to get about 40 seconds 
and uh, we in fact measure the result in the morning. You see, if you do this test in the morning when you wake up, I mean breath holding time test, which we described, mm -hmm. this this result is actually going to reflect your real health, not how much you have uh, at 9 a.m. or at noon or even before sleep. So when you open your eyes in the morning and you do exactly the same test right away, measure your breath holding time after exhalation and only until the first initial stress, then this time is going to tell your level of health. Mm. So how long time would it take? Uh, if a person is athletic, who, if a person has healthy diet and following other factors, uh, sometimes it may be only two, three, four weeks oh, uh, really? to achieve uh, probably about 30, 35 seconds in the morning. And it may take maybe two, three, four months to achieve up to 50, 60 uh, seconds for this test in the morning. Wow, ah. that's not too bad. And so that's, that's retraining uh, your, whole, but, but, your whole... But this is for relatively healthy person, yes, because for most people it would take longer time. Um, uh, my students, for example, when we take a course um, for one month, we have a one class in a week, we usually progress with the rate about two, three, uh, often up to five seconds in one week. So a week later, we would have five seconds better for the body oxygen test, for this breath holding time test. Next week, about three, five seconds better and so on. Hmm. Wow. So this is how the process works. But at the same time, like I can say that if somebody has an asthma, for example, and why Buteyka method is so popular among asthmatics, like British Thoracic Association uh, just recently provided Great A++ for the Buteyka method, which is by far better than anything else mm -hmm. they provide, like for natural alternative health techniques. Um, why they did so? Because asthmatics, in fact, notice immediate effects of the Buteyka method. 90% of asthmatics are able to stop the asthma attacks by doing a simple reduced breathing exercise Gosh. instead of taking Ventolin or other medication. Oh my God! And, wow. and this is this is the reason why Buteyka not only became so popular and common among asthmatics. In fact, six uh, best clinical trials which were done in the history of asthma research were done using uh, the Buteyka technique. And these trials were conducted in Western countries like Australia, New Zealand, UK. So uh, the typical result for these studies were reduction in medication by about ninety percent in about three, six months time for a group of asthmatics who practice reduced breathing exercises. And the level of practice also another big factor because uh, on the West, people generally practice about one hour per day. People are very busy. This is kind of pity because Soviet doctors uh, and when Buteyka method was invented in 60s, 70s and even right now, they teach their patients but uh, keep in mind that these are medical doctors, we are like health professionals, we have much more power and authority. Mm -hmm. They instruct the patients to train the briefing up to two, three hours per day. Yes, and in the clinical trial, I, I told about like uh, best clinical trial in the history of cancer research according like to my uh, in investigation, and I've never seen anything which is even close to that. Uh, we also practice at the level about two, 2.5 hours of briefing exercise for three years. At the same time, of course, it's, um, uh, I recently started to investigate this area. Briefing exercise, in fact, is a part of meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And the most ancient ex uh, meditation practices, like I read a book which is 5,000 years old. Mm -hmm. It has 112. It's like the uh, most ancient Sanskrit text on meditation, on Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And it has 112 meditation techniques 
which are 5,000 years old. And four techniques which are at the top, like uh, from the first to fourth technique, at the very top of this list are all briefing exercises. Wow, wow. 5,000 years old. That's incredible. Cool. They, they know something. Yeah, they do. Okay, I think you had a question too. Right? I do. I have a quick question while we're closing out here. This is a really interesting question in the chat room for you about the quality of the air. We haven't talked about that. They want to know if the if you know why it's beneficial to breathe air with more negative ions, like when you're next to a waterfall or by the sea, perhaps, instead of just breathing the regular air that we breathe Good in, the, question. in the middle of the country or something. Uh, well, uh, of course, uh, it best, it's best. It's better to have uh, better air quality in terms of have less particles in air, and air outside has much less particles because of presence of uh, positive and negative ions. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the factor. Now, uh, another factor which is uh, definitely very powerful too. I- imagine that if you breathe two, three times more than the medical norm, you of course get much more pollution too inside your body. Hmm. Ah, so, okay. so this is a, like kind of a, a physical factor only, additional physical factor, which also um, provides like benefits to breathe less air. Wow. But ions, in addition, uh, it's uh, it's hard to tell. It maybe may relate to uh, like grounding of the human body, you know, because we used to have uh, barefoot lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, so-called earthen grounding. Mm-hmm. This apart, and Buteyko was a big proponent of barefoot lifestyle. Mm-hmm. While uh, his research was done in Siberia, <laughs> so uh, he was actually saying that people need to run barefoot even on snow in winter wow. time. Like this is what his yeah his oh he gosh. himself. You you can see on YouTube how he was running barefoot, how he was uh, swimming. You know, uh, uh, in, in the uh, <laughs> like you know like seals. You know, in, freezing in, in cold water. water. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah, polar bear. Yeah, very cold water swimming, swimming in snow. Yeah, like lying in the snow himself. And he taught his doctors uh, this this as well. Hmm. Wow! All that time ago, they probably thought he was crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the smartest one on the block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, that's what um, I think. A lot of this uh, uh, polar bear kind of uh, immersion in cold water. You talk about that on your website, but I think that was originally uh, made popular by uh, the Russian culture, right? Oh, hard to tell. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I, I know it's also very popular in Scandinavia too, and like in Sweden, Norway, Finland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even, people uh, jumping well in. Taking, well, taking a sauna. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. often jump in cold water and then come back to sauna and then we like repeat it maybe three five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting that blood flow. Fascinating stuff. So, you're um, how many books do you have out right now for people if they're interested? Uh, I have eleven books on Amazon. Some of them are specialty books like about cancer, yoga, cystic fibrosis. Uh, but there is book which is called Advanced Boutique Briefing Exercises. So for those who are healthier, like kind of on a healthy side, we probably would be able to learn from this book, for example. And there are many other sources you need like to investigate, to see on YouTube, uh, online, uh, on Amazon store. Like there are different resources. And breathing uh, retraining is, uh, as I mentioned, long process. It takes efforts. And you really need to be like a holistic person to address many, many things at the same time in order to retrain breathing. Yes, that makes and a lot of sense. The, yes, therefore, it actually takes um, efforts uh, from students and from practitioners even to retrain one person. So it takes time, time takes effort, self-discipline, organization. And uh, 
I completely agree that this is at the same time the most natural, the most simplest, uh, the simplest function of the human body to breathe. Yeah, it's something that we're not taught, and it's something that's so critical because we can only go so long without air. And it's um, it's it's fascinating that you know this this kind of information is just not really taught. I mean, it's just uh, it kind of blows your mind a little bit. It's a, I found this reaction very common when people come to my talks, for example, when I explain them about uh, that why it is good to breathe less, about hundreds of medical studies which confirm that, that say hyperventilation is not good. But at the same time, yeah, it's true that uh, very few doctors, I would say around the world, we have very few medical professionals, not many, uh, who teach the Buteyko breathing technique. And only Russia has a large number of medical professionals, doctors, who still uh, practice uh, Buteyko technique right now. Well, so, so can you, if someone's listening to this and they want to work with someone, can they, can they work with you directly or are there people out there that could teach them this maybe over Skype or something? Yeah, the, yeah, I also teach through the Skype. Yeah, Skype lessons are also possible. It's, of course, much better method just uh, than learning from the book, for example. Uh-huh. And on your YouTube videos, do you teach this as well? Uh, I show the most important uh, reduced briefing exercise because this exercise can be used as a, an emergency procedure when people have, uh, let's say, coughing attacks to stop asthma attack, even to stop heart attack, mm -hmm. uh, to relieve constipation, to have bowel movements, to fall asleep fast. So I have this YouTube video, some of them up to like half million views, a lot of views, because uh, these techniques, you can read testimonials below, uh, exceptionally successful. Many of them have success rate up to 90% or more of people, they actually can testify that this actually works. We start to breathe a little bit less air while being relaxed. Because, you see, the problem with breathing retraining, you cannot start breathing normally immediately. Mm -hmm. The body would not accept it. <laughs> so if you try to breathe uh, twice less air than you do right now, you are going to experience severe air hunger. Mm -hmm. You are going like, to suffocate yourself. You would not be able to relax. Breathing retraining works and our breathing exercises are able to provide benefits when people are able to relax while doing them. Like very similar to meditation. But during meditation, people actually do not know what to do with their breath. What we teach, we teach people how to reduce their breath while focusing on the body sensation and focusing on their own breath. So it's actually a very ancient meditation practice. And therefore, people are able to increase the CO2 level by about maybe 10% only, very small amount. So we little bit increase the CO2 level and we little bit improve the blood flow and oxygen flow. But because of persistent and consistent practice day after day, so we practice for weeks, months, and up to one, maybe two hours per day, we are able to make permanent changes so that the breathing starts to slow down day after day. And that causes improvement for this uh, breath-holding time test, which mm -hmm. I described before. Now, when you talk about people practicing for one or two hours a day, is are these exercises people can do while they're working or while they're driving, or mm. is it something they have to dedicate specific time to? Um, uh, yeah, this is actually a very good question, because at the beginning, you need to devote your attention. You need a quiet place, empty stomach, mm -hmm. good thermoregulation. You have to have excellent quality of air, because even a carpet in your room uh, would prevent your progress. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, at the beginning, you need uh, focus of attention, you need quiet conditions so that you can focus on your breath, on your sensations. But with time, when people practice for uh, weeks, especially for months, it becomes possible when we drive a car in a public transport, 
when we do other things, when we walk on the street, it's even possible in probably about two, three, four weeks' time, mm-hmm. depending on the amount of practice. Well, that's worth it because it sounds like you know over the overall course of your life, if you're able to to sort of uh, be optimal in your breathing, then this it just sort of happens by default. It, it just sort of just happens all day long, every day. And then you're getting the benefits of it uh, without even really trying for the rest of your life. Yes, once people retrain their breath, like there is another important practical question people often ask me, like what I'm going to do after maybe three months, one, two, three years, should I practice like these exercises for the rest of the life? Um, Dr. Buteke provided the answer to this question lo- long time ago. He told that in fact the crucial factor which is going to uh, maintain your good breathing and good body oxygenation would be physical exercise. And this is, uh, as I mentioned before, I see in my students that when we slow down the breathing and we achieve up to 40, 50, 60 for the body oxygen test, uh-huh. physical exercise with nose breathing become totally easy and natural. So not only natural, we start to enjoy and crave physical exercise. If we don't do exercise for, like we wake up maybe for several hours, we don't do any physical exercise, we feel very abnormal. We have energy and we, the body wants to exercise. Yeah, yeah. I remember I tried to do that uh, many years ago while I was doing a lot of running at that time. I tried to run with uh, my mouth closed and I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought it might be a good thing to try. <laughs> but uh, I did pretty good though for a while. It was good. Yeah, the, the better way would be if you do a little uh, practice with breathing exercise, maybe about 10, 15 minutes, uh-huh. maybe up to 20 minutes. And then your physical exercise session is going to be much easier. Because, you see, if you slow down, if you calm your breathing, even by about 10, 15% before physical exercise, you are going to notice that it's much easier to exercise and your heart rate would be lower and it would be much easier also to breathe 100% through the nose during physical exercise. Hmm. Wow, this is awesome stuff. Golly. So your website's normalbreathing.com and if people want to get in contact with you, they can uh, do a little session with you on Skype? Uh, yeah, that's also possible. Okay. 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 Wow, great stuff. So where are you going from here? Are you working on any new books, any new projects, anything like that? Uh, yes, I have projects yeah, related to new books exactly to, to, and to new videos as well. Oh, nice, new nice. videos, new books, yes. Good mm. stuff. And how many videos do you have on your YouTube channel? Uh, about 70. Oh, oh my wow. Gosh. That's awesome. So people can go on there and, and learn a lot of this stuff too. Yes. Oh, I love it. And um, Okay, well, awesome. Thank you so much, uh, for spending some time with us. Yes, thank you. It was really a pleasure to meet you, Justin and Kate. Aww. Awesome. Hang on the line there, Doctor, and uh, we'll be right back. We're going to close out our live show. And uh, this is awesome interview with Dr. Artur Rahimov from normalbreathing.com, episode 362. So thank you all to um, for being in the chat room. We really appreciate that so much. It's, the shows are always so much more fun when we have lots of people in the chat room, so we appreciate that so much and um, you know, asking a lot of good questions, and we just love you all so much. And we do broadcast every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, and uh, next week we're going to be talking about uh, thermography and breast cancer and oh. things like that. So that'll be a good show. You can find that on our calendar that's on our live show page, extremehealthradio.com slash live. And I think that one might be an in-studio guest. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, is, is she it? coming in? I'll have to look at that, yeah. Very cool. So that'll be a lot of fun. And this is episode 362. We'll put links to everything that we talked about uh, on this page, extremehealthradio.com forward slash 362. So thank you all for being in the chat room. And what we're going to do is close out this, and then we're going to do a podcast version where Kate and I are going to continue the discussion. 
so you can catch that on the podcast version as well. So, But love you guys, and thanks for all the fun and uh, great questions, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah, have a great weekend. Thanks for doing the work that you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Justin and Kate. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. wonderful. Okay, we'll be in Safe contact travels. very soon. Stay warm. Stay warm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no barefoot in the snow. You, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Talk soon, okay? <laughs>